Last week we talked about um, understanding why problems happen to Christians. Today we're going to look at the answer to dealing with those problems, all right? And last week we basically said this. In understanding problems and why they happen to Christians, we, we looked at Paul who had a serious crisis. He was in chains. He had a serious problem. You know, he was um, in chains there. And uh, then we said that uh, what was used to bind him actually released him. And then we talked about problems open up opportunities to advance the gospel. And then we said that the way we handle our problems lifts others to be confident, daring, and fearless in advancing the gospel. So what we want to do today is we want to look at the answer to dealing with those problems. Christ first. Christ first. You will see a theme in Philippians. And if you have your Bibles, go with me to Philippians chapter 1. You will see a theme in Philippians. Paul was of a single mind. And throughout the passage or throughout the four chapters in Philippians, constantly he's referring back to, well, I'm going through this, but if it advances the gospel, if it gives us a chance to share Christ, then it's all worth it. His Focus his single-mindedness, Christ being first in his life, was the uh, lens through which he saw problems and how he solved those problems in his own heart and spirit. So take your Bibles, Philippians, one more time. Let's stand, and we're going to read verses 15 through 26 as we continue in our study of Philippians. Philippians 1, beginning in verse 15. He says here, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Isn't it amazing that in Paul's day, there were people who used the Gospels as an excuse to enrich themselves? They used the Gospel maybe to create division. You know that's happening today. People still do that today. That was happening in those biblical times. And he says, some do it out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, meaning he's in prison, he's in chains. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with you all or with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. There's a lot to unpack here and I want to try to help 
you to see it in three simple three simple points I'm going to point out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for what Paul experienced. And we thank you that we have Philippians. And we can see that Paul being in chains, Paul being in prison, Paul being in a situation that very few of us would think you could have any kind of joy. He showed us that he was full of joy because of his single-mindedness and his focus on Christ. May we learn from him and may it help us today. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. So I want to give you three things about Christ being first that I see in this passage of Scripture, okay? The first is this. If you live for God, and if you live for Christ, and if you serve Him, critics will oppose you. Critics will oppose you. So what should you do? Preach Christ. Preach Christ. In verses 15 through 18, literally what was happening to Paul... Paul, being an apostle, was in prison in Rome. And believe it or not, there was a rift between some of the Christians there. That's why we have different denominations. People disagree on different styles of worship. People disagree on different particular doctrines. But true Christians agree on one thing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by Him. And so there are differences, and, and, and Paul was experiencing those. And there were some people who even differed from him, but they preached Christ out of, out of a right heart, out of love for mankind, out of love for Christ. And he talked about that. And then he said, but there are some who preach Christ for wrong reasons, selfish ambition. And not only that, but they actually don't like me, and it's creating more problems for me here in jail. The Roman government had accused Paul of creating the crisis that was going on in Rome. And some of those who were preaching and teaching were actually feeding into that narrative. And so it was harmful to Paul. There were critics of his saying, he doesn't speak for God and who does he think he is? You see, guys, listen, in this life, if you desire to live for Christ and you get serious about living for him, critics will pop up in your life. They will. It might be in your family. I'll never forget when God called me into the ministry, called Penny and I together. Um, the new Christians in our family were my parents. The Christians I had looked up to who, you know, had raised Penny in a Christian home and, and who were active in church at one time. They weren't anymore. Penny's mom was still going to church some. But... Um, they were the ones when God called me into the ministry who were critical of our decision they were the ones who opposed us and i know now looking back better why they opposed us they were confused by it uh we were getting ready we were living with them and saving all of our money so we could buy a house two houses down from them and we were just a couple of thousand dollars away from actually buying a house listen to this for seventeen thousand dollars and it wasn't a dump it needed a little work but man it was it was and we had about 15,000 saved and we wanted to buy it cash. And lo and behold, in the middle of that, God calls me into the ministry. It was, it was a specific call. I knew it. And what that meant for us, we knew in our case at that time that we had to leave where we were, move 
12 hours at the time to Dallas, Texas, and go to school at Criswell College. I knew that's what God was calling me to do within a very short amount of time. This is what we needed to do. And the money we had saved was going to put us through school and not buy the house two doors down from Penny's mama and daddy. And they were pretty upset. And, and they didn't quite understand it. And I didn't quite understand where they were coming from. And, it, and I was a little young and felt that they had rejected me. See, there were critics. Even had somebody in the family that said, you're not a preacher. You never will be a preacher. Who do you think you are? You don't have what it takes. And the guy who told me that to this day doesn't even attend church. Where would I be today if I would listen to the critics? Right? And they're our family and we love them. And they came around, they came visit us in Texas. They loved us and, and you know, we got through that little, that little issue. But there were critics. You're going to find critics in your life. I have critics all the time. I, I hear it from time to time. You know, can you believe he said that? Yeah, go watch the tape. I said it. I had somebody approach me about a year ago after church, and, and it was a visitor, and that person said, do you really believe what you said in this area? And I said, tell me exactly what I said, because, man, I forget. And she told me. She told me, and I said, I absolutely stand by what I said. Absolutely. She goes, well, then I can no longer come to this church. She didn't say it like that. She said, I can no longer come to this church. And I said, that's okay. I'm praying for you. I said, but I want to thank you. And we had a longer conversation, but I said, I want to thank you. Because knowing what you believe, you actually honor me. Because if you can believe what you believe and come to this church and it not conflict with your belief system, then I'm not doing my job. Thank you, because you confirmed to me that I'm preaching the truth. Critics will be here. They will be there. And if you think that the only... That, that being a Christian and the only way you can survive in life is for people not to be upset with you or people not to criticize you, man, you're going to be constantly disappointed. And so the way to deal with your critics, the way to deal with the problems is preach Christ. Do it anyway. Keep doing it. Right? You say, well, I'm not a pastor. How do I preach? You preach Christ by your life. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. The way you live. And then when you have opportunity, you speak about the truth of God's Word. You show them love, even people who vehemently disagree with you. I have a nephew who just came out. I have a first cousin who's been gay his entire life. I've got a first cousin whose son, we've got it in our family. So my, my, but my nephew, my sister's boy, just came out. Who said he's gay? I, and I'm t just telling you, I, you know, I don't believe you're born that way unless you want to take the position that we're all born in sin. What do I do in that situation? I love him. I reach out to him. I keep the doors open to him as much as possible. I do not compromise the Word of God. And I don't change just because one of my family members is living contrary to Scripture. And I just keep preaching Christ and keep living it. I was dancing with his sister at her wedding. You know, it was a money dance, you know. You know what a money dance is, right? How many of you would love to get remarried again, go through all over, now that you got the money dance and dance all night? The more you dance, the more money you get. You know what a money dance is? 
yeah, yeah. So, so I paid money to go just to go do this with the bride. And then somebody's tapping on your shoulder. I'm like, hey, man, I'll put $20 in there. I get more than that. You know. And, um, and she goes, Uncle Corey, you heard about our, my brother? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to love him. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I'm like, why would you doubt me in that? But I said, but I'm going to continue to live the way I live and believe the way I believe. She goes, yeah, but as long as you love him. I said, I love him, but I'm going to preach Christ. So critics will oppose you. And that's what happened to Paul here. He had these critics. And he says here in verse um, 18, he says, but what does it matter? What does it matter what the motives are of other people? What does it matter if they oppose me? What does it matter if they oppose you? What does it matter if you have a family member that's actively, you know, upset with you? What does it matter if you have a coworker that doesn't agree with you? What does it matter, it says? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of, because of this, I rejoice. That's what Paul said. So critics will oppose you preach Christ. Number two, circumstances will trouble you. Trust Christ. There's our answer. Circumstances will trouble you, will create trouble for you. So trust Christ. He says here in verse 19, he talks about the spirit of Jesus Christ. What has happened to me will turn out, he says here, for my deliverance. And notice, he uses the word deliverance. He goes, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. So he's praying that God would give him the courage that he would do the right thing no matter what happens to him with his body. And he says, whether by life or by death. What Paul is saying is that God's going to deliver me from these chains whether in this life or by freeing me, ultimately by them taking my life, but I'm going to be delivered. And he realizes that, and he's come to a place in his spirit where he's trusting God, trusting Christ through the circumstances. So circumstances will come to bring you trouble. You know what the Bible says? You realize the Bible says this, in this life you will have what? Trouble. You will have trouble. Do you ever feel like this? You wake up in the morning and because you're alive on the face of the earth that, that the society doesn't like you that day. I feel like just because I'm alive sometimes that people are just hateful to me. You ever, that ever happened to you? I mean, you're minding your own business, doing your own thing, you're going to a store or whatever, or you're going to work or... I mean, I was driving the other day, and somebody was just on their horn, and I'm like, let's see, am I going too slow? Nope, I'm going 45 and a 50. Am I blocking the left lane? Nope, not doing that. I'm in the right lane. No, I was, listen, I was going 45. Are there a bunch of cars in the way? Nope, the place is, the place is open. Am I on my phone? No. Uh, am I drunk? No. Um, am, am I following somebody too close? No. Am I riding my brakes? No. But somebody didn't like me and ah, and I, I gave him some sign language. I waved to him. You thought I was going to say something else, right? No. 
Man, circumstances will come to trouble you. For some of you, it's a lot more than that. For some of you, you've got some really bad situations. I'm looking in this building, and I, if I were to start saying this, some of you get upset with me because you don't want to be pointed out, so I'm not going to do that. But I'm looking at people who've been through some very challenging circumstances in your life. And things that you never thought would ever happen to you. And it happened. But what I'm looking at is I'm looking at people who are still at it. You're still waking up every day. You're still going to work. You're still serving God. You still love Him. No matter how tough it was, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging it was during the storm you went through. You've been through some trouble. Tell me if I'm not telling the truth here. Didn't you find that you were able to best get through it when you trusted Christ? When you finally gave it to Him? And it, I don't know what it is for you, but I'll tell you what happens to me sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. When trouble comes my way, I revert back to being a child. I kick and I scream spiritually sometimes. I don't always do it out loud. Sometimes I'm like, why? <laughs> you ever do that? What is wrong with people? Sometimes I do that. Are you kidding me? What bizarro land am I living in? Okay, sometimes I'll have it. But sometimes my initial reaction is to kick and scream and fight spiritually and in my spirit just be grieved and just be tore up with it. And then it affects me physically. And, and man, I'm just, it's consuming me. And then I finally, I, I'm at a point where I just can't take it anymore. And so I'm finally like, Ugh. I bring it to the altar and I say, God, I, I, and the burden's lifted. And you're like, why didn't I do that four days ago? Right? And then there are other times that when the trouble comes, and I'm growing as a Christian, I'm like, ah, ha, 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 I see, I see what's coming. I see it. I'm, I'm going to do this differently this time. I'm going to do what Paul did. No matter what my situation is, I'm going to trust that God will deliver me. And I'm going to trust Him that He will give me the courage to act right, to do right, to say right, to make the right biblical decisions. And I'm not going to worry about it beyond what He's given me to be responsible for. So I'm going to lay it at His feet and then trust Him. Oh my gosh, life is so much better when you do that. Right? Woo! And that's what... Here Paul's in jail. He's got people running their mouth against them, so-called Christians. He's got the Roman government wanting to put him to death. Some believe he's already been through one trial at this point. Circumstances will trouble you, so trust Christ. People will oppose you. Preach Christ. And then number three, the last thing I want you to see here is crisis will focus you. I'm going to define what I mean by that. Crisis will focus you, so live Christ. 
That's where the rubber meets the road. Look at what it says here in verses 21 through 26. I'm not going to read it all to you because we read it already. But look at verse 21. He goes here, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Then he goes on to talk about how in his spirit, he, he, he's ready to go. Well, Paul's an apostle. God's used him to pen Scripture. He, of any person on the face of the earth outside of Christ, probably has as good an understanding, other than maybe John, the apostle, who uh, penned the book of Revelation, can see what heaven is all about. And he knows to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul said later here in Philippians, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He knew that the sufferings that he was going through at the present time couldn't be compared with the glory that God had for him. The Bible says, and he knew it, I has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Heaven is a great place. The reason we can't wrap our heads and our minds fully around heaven is that if we could ever really see it for what it really is, all of us would be wanting to check out immediately. That's how awesome heaven is. And so crisis will focus you. It'll get you focused. Crisis will will steal S-T-E-E-L. will harden in a good way your resolve. What you believe scripturally if you go in that direction. Crisis for a Christian will focus you in on what needs to happen. And so in doing so, now live Christ. Christ. You cannot control the crises that come in and out of your life. No different than anybody can control the weather and control where a hurricane is going to go. It's going to come sometimes. Sometimes you can see it coming. Sometimes you can't see it coming. Disasters happen. Problems happen. Crises happen. And you can decide, though, how you're going to deal with that. And you focus in. And the way you focus in is to say, whatever is happening in this, may Christ be glorified through me. That's what Paul said. May Christ be glorified through me. You're in the hospital. you got something wrong. May Christ be glorified through me. You're going through a family crisis. I don't want to respond in an ungodly way. I'll be honest. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not going to tell you what I said. And I'm not going to do all that. I had a little crisis this week. And in one part, I failed. But I'm still alive. So the next day, I was still breathing. And I said, well, I have a chance not to fail today. I have a chance to be better and to do it more godly and to do it Christ's way. And so for me to live is Christ. In other words, I'm living for Him. He lives in me, through me, and that's why I'm here. And so if a crisis happens, it's an opportunity for God to be magnified and glorified through me. I want to read something to you. Um, How many of you have ever looked through a telescope? Have you? Pretty cool. Brother Don... Brookings was sharing with me earlier, he's a big telescope guy, and he was telling me all the stuff he can see in his telescope and all that, so we're trying to set up a time where on a dark night out here we can, you know, I can see the, you know, 50 galaxies away or something, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Here's what, um, here's what Warren Wiersbe says, he goes, because of Paul's chains, Christ 
was known. Philippians 1.13. And because of Paul's critics, Christ was preached. Philippians 1.18. But because of Paul's crisis, Christ was magnified. Philippians 1.20. Now, it was possible that Paul would be found a traitor to Rome and then executed. His preliminary trial had apparently gone in his favor. The final verdict, however, was yet to come. But Paul's body was not his own. And his only desire, because he had the single mind, he had the focus, was to magnify Christ in his body. Does Christ need to be magnified, he says? Check this out. After all, how can a mere human being ever magnify the Son of God? Well, the stars in the sky are much bigger than the telescope, yet the, the telescope magnifies them and brings them closer. The believer's body is to be a telescope that brings Jesus Christ close to people. To the average person, Christ is a misty figure in history who lived centuries ago. But as the unsaved watch the believer go through a crisis, they can see Jesus magnified, meaning brought so much closer. To the Christian with the single mind, Christ is with us here and now. So the telescope brings distant, distant things closer, and the microscope makes tiny things look big. To the unbeliever, Jesus is not very big. Other people and other things are far more important. But as the unbeliever watches the Christian go through a crisis experience, he ought to be able to see how big Jesus Christ really is through that person's life. The believer's body is a lens that makes a little Christ, meaning to the world, little Christ, look very big, and a distant Christ come very close. In other words, the way other people are going to see Jesus is through your crisis and my crisis. And through the difficulty that we're going through, we have an opportunity to magnify Christ. It, it helps people see something in us. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'll never be able to go through what you're going through. And that's when you have a chance to say, but listen, it's not me that's doing it. You could go through it too if you had Christ in you. I'm nobody special. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. About Jesus. One last thing here. So he says here, for me to live as Christ. Take that thought there. And think about it. For me to live is blank and to die is blank. Fill in the blanks yourself. Think about it. For me to live, somebody might say, is money. And to die is to leave it all behind. You think about it, nobody owns anything. Oh, I own this property. I work for it with my hands. Yep. And you're going to die and it doesn't go with you. And somebody else gets it. You don't own a thing. You're just a manager of stuff. For me to live is fame. But to die is to be forgotten. For me to live is power. But to die is to lose it all. Wouldn't it be much better to say, for me to live 
is to magnify Christ. And to die is the ultimate prize. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. So that's the answer. That's the answer to our problems. It's Christ. It's making Him known. And your trial and my trial and our circumstances gives us a chance to share Him. Whether it be preaching Him or trusting Him or living for Him. So crisis will focus you. So live Christ. When the crisis comes, it's your chance to be a vessel through which Christ can be seen by other people. Don't... um, Let's be careful not to... uh, Look right past that and say, yeah, right, right, right. And ain't nobody seen Jesus in me. You would be surprised. They know what you claim. They know what I claim. And they're looking. And really, in their hearts of hearts, they're looking for truth. They may not know it, but they're looking for something greater than themselves. Are they going to see it in you and me? And so this study in Philippians last week, why do problems happen to God's people? But today, the answer is found in being single-minded Christ. And if I can look at life that way and look at problems that way and look at other people that way and look at other circumstances that way, this is an opportunity for me to show Christ to someone. Let me tell you where you start. It's the hardest place in the world to live Christ in your home. It's the hardest place. The easiest person to hurt is the one you love the most and the one that loves you the most because you know they love you. And they'll look look over it. And sometimes we go to that default position and the hard place to live it And I've found this to be true. If you start living it in your home, it's easier to live it outside of your home. If you've got an unforgiving spirit toward your spouse, it's no problem to have an unforgiving spirit toward other people. But if you're willing to forgive the person that knows everything about you and you know just about everything about them, and you still forgive them in spite of who they are, everything else is a piece of cake. That's a great place to start dealing with crises in your home. Start there. Watch God work and do some things in your life and my life. So problems, they're an opportunity. And Paul saw it as that. And I love what he said. He goes, no matter what, I know I'm going to be delivered one way or the other. I know I'm going to be delivered. You ever thought about this? I, I've been watching this uh, the last few weeks. Now, now this is kind of, this, watching this is kind of, mm-mm-mm. it's called Air Disasters. I don't know if it's on the Smithsonian Channel or the Learning Channel. It's on one of those. But there's a series of air disasters. So it takes commercial air crashes, 
and it goes back and it shows investigation and, and all of it and what happened and how it happened and all of that. And I think about all that and I'm like, well, the reason that, because, you know, I fly. I don't know if I want to know about that. And on the other end, I'm like, but I do want to know about that because I want to see what they've improved, what they found was wrong. And it's amazing how these disasters happen. Sometimes it's usually a bunch of little bitty mistakes that are made. Or sometimes it's a defect in, in a part. But a lot of times, in a, in a lot of these air disasters, the pa passengers know something bad is getting ready to happen. Or something bad has just happened. And many of them know that if a miracle doesn't happen, they're toast on this earth. Now, I know I'm nuts and crazy, but I've gotten in an airplane before and put myself in an airplane, you know, flying, and I'll stop, chain, and I'll think, what if the worst happens here? What if all of a sudden we start a descent, you know, and, and you know, the G-forces, and you know, uh, this ain't going to end well. And I've often thought about it. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. You know what I would do in that time? I'd say, hey, y'all better repent. <laughs> and the second thing I'd do is, God, is there anything in my life that's not right right now? Because I want to make it right. And you know what, God? I'm getting ready to meet you face to face. Give me peace. And make it quick. <laughs> I know that those are morbid things to think about, but to live as Christ, and to die is gain. You know what? Those of us as Christians, I think we're not afraid of heaven, obviously. We're just afraid of how we're going to get there. <laughs> That's what scares us. But we don't have to be scared. Because God will be with us. And He will be our God. He will be by our side. And He will walk with us through all of it. And through it all, Jesus will be magnified. That's the answer to our problems. To glorify Christ. Alright? Let's stand together, everybody. And let's bow our heads if you don't mind. As we bow in attitude of prayer here. I want to say this before we go any further as we just focus in for a moment. Just focus in on what God's saying to you. Have you ever given your heart to Christ? If you have not truly Listen, you don't have to leave here today with that uncertainty in your life. As a matter of fact, you can be like Paul says, for me to live is Christ. See, I had to give up my life. The Bible says, he who tries to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for the gospel, for Christ, will save it. Man, all you got to do right here is call upon the name of the Lord and say, say something like this. Receive Christ as your Savior by saying, I know I'm a sinner. God, I ask you to save me and forgive me. I know you're going to give me your grace and mercy. <coughs> Help me to receive it. I confess that you are the Lord of my life. I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. Given my life to you. The Word of God says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with 
the heart. One believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. John 1.12 says, To as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. Man, don't leave here today without knowing Christ. I'm going to sta be standing right here um, off to the side. If you want to give your life to Christ, come to me. And I'll walk you through it. I can't save you, but Christ will. And then if you're a Christian and this message today has spoken to your heart about a crisis you're going through, would you be willing to come makeshift altar here around the screens against the wall where you've got open chairs you can kneel against and say to God, God, be magnified in my life through this. I can't control it. I can't control what's happening to me. All I can do is control how I respond. And Christ, I want to control. I mean, I, I want you to control me. And I want to magnify you. However God is speaking to you, you let Him have His way in your heart. Father, thank You for Your consistency, Your faithfulness, Your truth, Your Spirit, Your love for us. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.